your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. began preparing this week's message, and I felt led to go in a different direction. Uh, my subject this morning is simply, don't be troubled. I freely admit, easier said than done. I've been steadily going through the Gospel of John. We've been in for a number of months, and I've really been blessed by just sharing this with you. But given the explosion that happened at a hospital in Gaza this past Tuesday, and then all the reaction on various fronts from it, I just felt the Lord bringing me in a different direction. There was an attack on Israel that we know that began weeks ago, and predictably the world began to be divided. There were protests in our nations on both sides, and there were protests around the world on both sides. If you care to watch, I know I don't, there are gross and intense atrocities happening that just are mind-numbing. In that initial attack, over 1,200 were killed and hundreds taken hostage. And unfortunately, with technology, we've got high-definition coverage of all of it. And then this past Tuesday, as I mentioned, there was an attack, uh, uh, an explosion, at a hospital in Gaza. Originally, of course, Israel's enemies blamed Israel for the attack, but then as intelligence reports came out, it was a misfire um, by Hamas that caused the the explosion. Bottom line is that over 400 people were killed in a hospital. Regardless of where anyone falls politically or ideologically, all of this is a lot to take in. We live in a world that is just presenting us with so much information that is so triggering and so deeply impacting. And in the wake of most of this, what I tend to see when I monitor social media, especially Christians on social media led me here today. Matthew chapter 24, I'll begin reading in verse number 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and when, what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. You know, it, in a certain mindset that would be difficult to communicate to others, it can be comforting when you see all this nonsense going on and you relate it to the time of Jesus' return and the call for his church. And so I hear so many Christians say, these are signs that, the, that his coming is soon. And then I read in Matthew where it says, this is just the beginning. And I'm not as comforted as I was before. I've heard so many state that 
what we're seeing, uh, seeing, especially in the Middle East, but around the world and all this wars and conflict and fighting is like we haven't seen in their lifetime, or at least in the last 50 years, except I tend to do a lot of research, and I was brought back to a, a place in Africa called Rwanda back in 1994, when genocide was carried out by one group of people over another, and in a span of 100 days, over 800,000 people were brutally murdered, and of all ages, simply because they belonged to one group. Now, because of the abilities or inabilities of media coverage 30 years ago, most of the reporting that happened with the massacre in Rwanda happened after the fact, when it was over. Not so with conflict today. And lest we forget that before all of this stuff happened within the Middle East, there were issues and we had the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. Isn't it good to be able to say that all is well in our country and there's nothing going on that's wrong here, no problems? Forgive me, I didn't dismiss the Sunday school. You can go now if you'd like. And it was fascinating as you found me. You probably have a lot more fun there. But isn't it great to be able to say with all the problems we see around the world, we've got no problems here, right? We know better. Division is rampant in our land. Anything that happens around the world gets marched against or for here. Issues of lawlessness wherever we look, racial tensions everywhere, freedoms being attacked and curtailed left and right. So when I look at this and I see this landscape and I see what's going on, I have to say, gee, it sounds a lot like the world of the early church. For the early church, there was little, if any, freedom in the empire. Christians were blamed for everything, every ill, every issue, every problem that arose. There was some legal official, some government official who said, it's probably that new movement, those Christians. Christians were being murdered daily and brutally. And the difference then and now is now people are being murdered and done so brutally. Then they were not only being murdered brutally, it was often done for entertainment. Now, Constantine became emperor of Rome in the year 312. And a year later, he made Christianity because he had himself become a Christian in the year 313, the official religion of the Roman Empire, and he legalized it. But that meant that the church had to endure what they had been enduring for 300 years. And even before Christ came, the Jewish people did not fare much better in the Roman Empire. So for the church's first three centuries, being a Christian meant you were choosing, actively choosing to be an enemy of the state, to be an enemy of the Roman Empire. It is in this context that Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew 24, that when you see these things happening, when you see these things coming about, when you see these things that just don't make any sense and just seem out of whack, he says... Don't be troubled. Really? Now, in this particular passage in Matthew 24, Jesus was teaching about the 
end of the age and letting his disciples know because they were asking, how will we know when the end has come? His disciples ask him, how will they know? And he begins by saying, many will come bringing deception. Has there ever been a time in your lifetime where it was more difficult or challenging to figure out who was telling the truth? My goodness. And then he mentions wars and rumors of wars and natural disasters everywhere. And Jesus tells them in the version I read, the New International Version, don't be alarmed. Now some translations will say, let your heart not be troubled. Now, I've come to realize over the course of my life that when well-spoken and spoken correctly, I love the English language. And being Hispanic, although I don't speak it fluently, I've, I've also always had a love for the Spanish language and many foreign languages we got to enjoy when we were on the cruise. But I have to admit, in all the learning I'm doing now in school and just understanding the depth and quality of it, I love how precise the Greek language is. Because that word for alarmed or troubled literally means a whole host of things. Don't be anxious. Don't be frightened. Don't be in a place where you want to scream out loud. Anyone ever felt like that lately? So many nuances and variations to the Greek word that was used for what Jesus said about don't let your heart be troubled. Also a nuance of don't be thrown into an emotional uproar. That was the, what the word troubled or alarmed meant. And Jesus said, don't. Don't let this be you. Seems easier said than done. Then we read, if you turn with me to John chapter 14, even though I'm taking a break from the series in John, I had to keep John here somewhere. John chapter 14, verse number one, he begins that verse saying, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in also in me. My father's house, in my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Know, you know the way to the place where I am going. Now here, the context is not Jesus talking about the end of the age or the end times. In the very verses before this, at the end of chapter 13, is when Jesus has the conversation with that they're all going to deny him. And Peter says, I will give my life for you. And that's where Jesus informs Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And then the very next statement that Jesus makes to him is, don't let your heart be troubled. He had just told Peter something no one would ever want to hear from their master. But then he tells them that in his father's house, there are many rooms, many mansions, and that Jesus is preparing a place for every one of his people. Aren't you glad today he's preparing a place for you? Jesus had become their mentor and teacher and now was preparing for them to understand and be part of his arrest and crucifixion. 
He's basically telling them that when you see these things begin to happen, when you see the whole history of Passion Week begin to unfold, don't let your hearts be troubled. Except here in John 14, it's actually a different Greek word. Here, it literally means don't become so agitated that you take action prematurely, just like Peter did when he cut off a Roman soldier's ear. Don't set in motion that which must remain still. Basically, Jesus was saying with this Greek word, don't cause trouble when you begin to see these things unfold. I love the Greek language. It is so precise. Now, I will not ever advocate or give a call that Christians are to sit passively by and do nothing. This is not an encouragement to stand on the sidelines passively and not try to make things better. We are to be an influence in our world, and we are to do all we can to bring holiness and bring godliness to an unholy and ungodly world. This is less about what we do on the outside, which we should take action on so many fronts, but what goes on in our hearts. Many of you know the verses, the beginning of Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I cry to you. For when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. When my heart is overwhelmed. That's not very positive for many Christians because they would want to say, if my heart is overwhelmed. I'll stick with the Bible. When? When my heart gets overwhelmed, it happens to us all. When it happens, I'm going to cry out to Jesus. When it happens, I'm going to turn to him. When I see the 11 o'clock news, which I've still gone at least almost 13 or 14 months now without having turned on the 11 o'clock news, and I see what's going on, and I hear the news reports, and I get the notifications, and people explain to me, and I read about something that's going on, when my first reaction is to do something, or get angry, or get overwhelmed, or get depressed even, I'm going to cry out to Jesus. And ask him to lead me to that rock, that rock being Jesus, that is higher than I, that sees above all, that is involved in everything. Because you and I get overwhelmed by these things. But the eternal divine truth is that God does not. We get shocked by these things. But God is not. It angers him. It hurts him. But shock is not one of the things he experiences. Especially when, as we saw in Matthew chapter 24, he told us this would all happen. He told us these things would come. So where do we start? What he said back in Matthew first, believe in me. Anyone ever know a believer? A fellow Christian? Strong believer in the Lord? And then something happens or they see something in the world, or they learn something that just turns their heart in so many different directions. 
that all of a sudden their belief is shaken. All of us have gone through trials. All of us have gone through difficult days. All of us have experienced what would clearly and accurately be labeled trauma. And I am striving every single day to make it clear while I'm not in those times that Lord Jesus, no matter what I ever go through, I will believe in you. Nothing on this planet, nothing in this life, I'm praying, Lord, help me to keep that vow. I will always look to Jesus. There isn't anything that can happen to me, anything that can happen to anybody I love, anything that can happen to the, to the church I love, to the nation I love, that will get in the way of me stopping to love Jesus. What about when something happens and it's so tragic and you're just left with God, where were you? I don't have an answer to those questions. But as I've said often, what I don't understand about Jesus doesn't change what I do understand about him. He died for me. He rose from the grave so I would have power. I will keep my trust in him. Times like these should help draw me closer to him, not provide a wedge to draw me away. They should help me realize that we are lost just as this world is lost without him. You know the verse. You probably have a t-shirt or coffee mug or plate with it on it. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 6. Do not be anxious about anything. I won't ask for a show of hands, except I'll raise my own, for anybody who's ever thought, gee, God, that's unfair. Anything? Can I have like one or two things I could still be anxious about? How about like for me, when I get up on a ladder? I'm anxious about that. And given how anxious I look up on a ladder, I know I make everybody else watching anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How many realize we need a guard standing at our mind and our heart with all the information and all the chaos and all the evil that's present in the world today? And again... Since, although I love the English language, it can be so imprecise. That word there for anxious is don't get distracted. Don't get drawn in opposite directions. Be at a place in our faith and keep growing in that place because times become difficult. That no matter what, Jesus is still Lord. No matter what happens in our nation, Jesus is still Lord. No matter who marches in what city, Jesus is still Lord. No matter who sits in the Oval Office or any office in any land, Jesus is still Lord. No matter where conflict arises, at home or in any part of the world, Jesus is still Lord. Do we feel the pain and sorrow of some of the images and the stories that we read? And I guess what helped move me in the direction I'm in today 
were not images because I'm still not turning to them. But some of the stories I've read. I read a story about a, a surgeon who was performing surgery in that hospital in Gaza when the explosion occurred. He had just finished, he said thankfully, and closed up and was concluding the surgical procedure when the explosion happened. And he detailed coming out of the surgical suite and onto the hallway of the hospital, and it was complete and utter horror. Bodies and blood everywhere. And that can shake someone who's not a Christian, let alone someone who is. Do we feel the pain and sorrow? Of course we do. And does a whole range of emotions rise up in us, not only when we see them, but when we go through things in our own local lives that cause the same type of reaction? Absolutely. But should the emotions inspire us to action first? No, not physical action. The first thing I need to do when that begins to rise, when I feel that storm in my heart, is to get down on my knees and come to Jesus and make it clear, I need you to take that first step. My first step when troubled should be to Jesus. My first step when I can't deal with what's going on in this life is to come to Jesus. My first step when the world is falling apart, and sadly, when the world is falling apart again, should be to Jesus. My first step should be to echo the, the admonition that Peter gave us in 1 Peter 5, verse 7. You know it. Cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. We will continue to pray. for Israel, for her peace and her well-being. We will continue to pray for the Palestinian people who are caught in the middle of all this. I've also been reading a lot of uh, reports and commentaries from pastors who pastor churches in Gaza. Palestinian churches who are on fire for Jesus, yet they are in the middle of this and feel like they are everyone's enemy. And there are quite a few of them. And many of them are now without a church building because the church building's been bombed. We will also support Israel financially. Many of you have asked me about contributions that we can make, and I've given you the instructions. This week, I plan to go to ministrytoisrael.org and on behalf of our church make a contribution to that crisis effort. We will remain loyal and peaceful to what the Bible says, but we will come to Jesus who tells us that when we come into his presence, we don't have to be troubled. And that's what's going on in the world. We all know that it doesn't take a world event to get our hearts troubled. When we see stuff going on in our own homes, in our own families, when we see our family members, those we love that once served the Lord, not serving him any longer, when we see those we care about not coming closer to Jesus, but coming further away from him, we have things in our own local 
everyday lives that can cause our hearts to be troubled. When we see our children going in directions they should not go and making decisions they should not make, we become troubled. I'll never forget, and I'm not making a general commentary on the Roman Catholic priesthood, but many, some of you know that when I was 16, I had declared to the Roman Catholic Church in Central Iceland that I wanted to join the priesthood. You can go ahead and laugh. And I was serious. The local priests there had begun the sponsorship process. They were getting me ready. And then I entered my senior year of high school, and I met a young lady. Kind of changed my perspective on things, to be honest with you. Yes, she did. But things come into all of our lives that create this impact. And but we need to trust in him. Pastor, I don't know how I'm going to get through all it. It's just so overwhelming. I agree. But when I read his word, and he talks about a peace that doesn't make sense, it passes understanding. So many people, not just those who care about me in this church, but so many ask, are you still going into Manhattan? <laughs> yeah, I am. They still have trains that go to Manhattan, so I still ride them. They have not locked down that island yet. And someone asked me this week, do you ever see any of the protests that make media coverage, especially in Times Square? And my office building is right around the corner from the top of Times Square. And I said, no, I don't see any of it. I get to Penn Station. I get to the subway. I go to my office. I go back to the subway. I go back to Penn Station. I go home. I have no desire at this point in my life to go sightseeing in New York City, especially in a work day. But we understand that things are happening all around us, and yet God is looking into our hearts and not only giving us a command not to be troubled, aren't you glad he provides the power of the Holy Spirit to make that command become a reality? He gives us the power to be able to have a peace that passes understanding when the situation doesn't change. It's wonderful when the whole scenery that we're in, when the situation changes, but then our peace is tied to the change. He gives us a peace that goes beyond the need for it to change. We can have peace, we can have joy in the midst of difficult times, in the midst of sorrow. And it's that joy that he declares in the Old Testament that is our strength. How can you have such joy in the midst of such strength in the midst of difficult times? Because I have the joy of the Lord. And that joy is my strength. But pastor, when I look around and I see the world, I don't see evidence evidence of God. And I've heard people say that to me recently. And then when I look at the church, and some of the places the church is going where it shouldn't, and some of the places where the church is in conflict with one another, it's hard to see where God is moving. I can't deny how things look, but I'm going to keep looking to Jesus. 
because my faith is not tied to how good life is. My faith is not tied to how well things are going. My faith is tied to a Savior who died for me and rose again that I might have have a power and a strength to be able to wear the banner overcomer and more than a conqueror. So when the next news report comes, and it, it will, everyone is, had been predicting from the beginning of the crisis in the Middle East that it would get worse, and it did. Different alliances are forming that seem that it's all going to make things just escalate. And we, we just sit on edge waiting for the next notification to pop up on our phones or the next news report to be mentioned to us about something else that happened. And Jesus is saying, don't be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. He has overcome the world. How do you believe in God in the midst of all this? Because whether or not this world is good and it's not, whether or not people are good and mostly they're not, God is good. God is good. And I worship him. I thank him for what he does, but church, I worship him because of who he is. And there's a difference there that's powerful. I'm thankful for the sunshine days in my life, for the sunshine seasons in my life. And things were just so awesome. We shared our entire cruise in Europe, and it was wonderful. And I thank God for every day of it. But I'm not a Christian because he gave me that gift. He died for me, and he came to me and touched my heart. And no matter what, I believe in Jesus. Because of who you are, Lord, I give you glory. Because of who you are, I give you praise. Because of who you are, I will lift my voice and say, I will worship you. Because of who you are. Stand with me, please.